So here was the question. You have Nadav and Avihu. We have, for example, on Yom Kippur, before Mincha, we say a special poem, and we recall Nadav and Avihu. It says that anyone who reads this poem and cries, that's the piyut at the beginning of, uh, of Mincha, anyone who reads this poem and cries, they, uh, they're for sure going to be forgiven. It says how Nadav and Avihu died for all of us, and uh, a whole thing of how righteous they were and how special they were, and they died. The problem is, when we look at the Mephashim, and I think the Mephashim seem to have a problem, like, God forbid someone passes away who's young. So they tell us that Hashem's will, sometimes is young, they tell you that it's because of the generation, that they're uh, a kapara for the generation, or they're there to make the generation think about things. So it seems when Adam and Avihu die, we have to come up with an answer, right? But we don't just come up with an answer. You look at all of the opinions, and they have 12 different opinions of what they did wrong. So on the one hand, you're telling me that there's Sadiq Gamur, completely righteous, never did anything, as holy as you could get. On the other hand, I got not just one sin, not just two sins, not just three sins, I got the whole book thrown at them. So let's try and understand. How do you throw the book at them? And how do you tell me they didn't sin? Which one is it? Did they sin? Or did we throw the book at them? And that's, that was my problem. So, how much? Let's say we're, we're looking at the Nadav and Avihu, the sons of Aaron. And the question I have is, if they're completely and totally righteous, like we seem to read in certain places in here, why did the rabbis throw the book at them and come up with everyone a different sin that they apparently did? Okay. So, the, the, the main sin that they're told, that we're told they did, is they did something they weren't asked for, therefore they're disobedient. This is from the Gemara. They brought a fire they weren't supposed to bring, and therefore they were called disobedient. It says, the Ramban says, what did they do wrong? They brought a fire in order to appear that they were over-righteous. They wanted to show where so special. The Sifra says they entered the holy place in the Mishkan where only the, they entered the Kodesh HaKodeshim, the holiest of holies, where only the high priest could enter on Yom Kippur. They should not have entered. That's where the, the, uh, they went in with the, with the, the Ark. Says, says Rashi, they entered, they were drinking. They, they, had, they drank wine before they entered. Therefore, but there was no halakha not to drink wine. The halakha to not drink wine only comes after they died. But it says, no, they drink wine. And they were wearing inappropriate clothing. That's Rashi. Says Rashi also, they chose to use fire from a different source without getting the approval of Moshe. This is also from the Gemara. For reasons of sanctity, Moshe wanted to kindle the fire from a heavenly source, but Aaron's sons decided for themselves to use their own fire. The fire should have come from heaven. They decided, no, nope, we're going to put the fire. But this was the first Yom Kippur, right? No, this, this is the day is in the Rosh Chodesh Nisan. This is the first of Nisan, the inauguration oh, right. of the ark. So the first Yom Kippur, Moses comes down, tells everybody the next day, we're going to build the Mishkan. Okay. They build the Mishkan over the next few months. But six months after Yom Kippur, basically, Rosh Chodesh Nisan, the first of Nisan, they dedicate the Mishkan. And on the day of the dedication of Mishkan, they die. Day one, they die. It says they remained unmarried because they thought they were better than everybody. 
They did not fully believe that the fire of the incest came from heaven and they wanted to make a test by putting their own fire. That's Baal HaAkedah. Their death was a punishment to Aaron for participating in the sin of the golden calf. Because the father did something, the sons were punished. Does that seem fair? Nadav and Aviyu sinned once before giving of the Torah. God allowed them and the 70 elders to go to a higher place on Har Sinai than the rest of B'nai Israel. They enjoyed the splendor so much that they looked for their own pleasure, not for the sake of heaven. They looked at the Shekhinah, the divine presence, and then God decided that they deserved to die, but he pushed their death off. Finally, God said, if I let them, if I let them go unpunished now, the Pesifta comes up with another reason. So the problem I have is, how far do we go? If we're, if we're supposed to believe sometimes that things happen in the world, and God does things, we have to say God is just. You know, God forbid someone passes away, we tear our clothes and we say, Baruch Dayan Haimeth, blesses God, who's the true judge. Whatever he does, he does. I, I can't ask, I don't know why. Why in this case do we have to throw all these reasons at them, and at the same time, I mentioned we, we read a special thing on Yom Kippur that if you cry over the death of the children of Aaron, you're going to be forgiven because it shows you feel bad for them. So if they're so great, how are they not? So that was the question someone asked me. I thought it was an unbelievable question because how do you bring the two of them together? So that's where we start. So we see in the beginning of the Perashat it says, Hashem spoke to, I, I have it in English basically, Hashem spoke to Moshe after the death of Aaron's two sons, when they, would, when they approached before Hashem and they died. That's all it says. They came before God, they died. So Hashem, God says to Moshe, speak to Aaron, your brother, that he does not come at all times into the sanctuary within the parochet in front of the kaporet that is upon the Aaron, and he will not die, for with a cloud I appear upon the kaporet. So basically Aaron, all high priests are only let to go in on, on Yom Kippur, Aaron's only allowed to go in when God calls him. The only person who can go in whenever he wants is Moses. He says, With this shall Aaron come to the sanctuary with a bull, a young male of cattle for a chatat, and a ram for an olah. So he's bringing already something reminiscent of the golden calf, but this is after. So Rashi comments on the juxtaposition of the death of Aaron's two sons and God warning Aaron that he shouldn't come into the sanctuary within the parochet. He says that Rashi explains that Aaron is prohibited. Now that his sons died, why did they die? Because they went into an area that they weren't supposed to go. Since your sons went into an area that they weren't supposed to go, you should not go into that area, because just like they died, you'll die. So the question is, why can't God just tell Aaron? We already heard three, three parshi. Remember, we, have, we had... Uh, we had Vayigra, uh, Sav, Shemini. The end of Shemini, they die. Then we have the two portions that talk about Sarat. And then we have Acharemot. So if, why are we starting with Acharemot if we're going to talk about the laws of, the, of working in the Mishkan? Why do we need to begin? Why does God need to warn Aaron reminding him of the death of his sons. What does the death of his sons have to do? You want to tell Aaron, Aaron, don't go in. Okay, Aaron is Aaron, he's not me. If you tell him not to go in, he's gonna listen, not go in. 
So Rav Elazar ben Azariah, he provides a parable. This is what Rashi brings. Nice music. Okay. He says he provides a parable. He says it's comparable to a sick person who visits a doctor. The doctor tells this person, don't eat cold food, don't lie in a damp, chilly place, because don't do it. Another doctor comes and says, don't eat cold food, don't lie in a damp, chilly place, so that you won't die like Mr. Smith. Who's he going to listen to? The second one, because the second one is not just the instructions. He's saying, look what happened to Mr. Smith when he didn't listen to me. So Rashi is quoting Rabbi Elazar ben Azariah from the Gemara. And he's saying the reason God is telling Aaron to his, about his death of his son, reminding, so that Aaron has a warning and the warning has some meat to it. But my question again is, that warning works for me. You know, I, maybe I need the meat. Does Aaron really need the extra explanation that don't go in because his sons died? No, Aaron's going to listen to God. So Hashem says to Moshe, also he says, speak to Aaron, your brother, that he couldn't come so he doesn't... So this is what we just said. So it says, now, goes further. We have another, other perplexing issues. We tell Aaron not to enter. So we don't call them the names. We don't bring Nadav and Avihu. We don't bring their names here. We only call them after the death of the two sons of Aaron, why don't we say their names? Why we just leave them nameless? It says, so now we go further. After the death of Aaron's sons, when they approached before Hashem, they died. So the Orachayim explains that this verse comes to teach us that the two sons of Aaron died because they got too close to Hashem. They got too close to God. Their lives expired due to their extreme devotion, consistent with the notion in Shir Hashirim that says, my soul departed at his decree. Basically, they came so close to God that they were drawn into God. We have that, we have that interesting enough. We had, the, we, we had on, on Passover, the seventh of Passover, Shevi Ishel Pesach. We have Shevi Ishel Pesach is, uh, Shevi Ishel Pesach is the day that we cross the sea. So one of the questions in Shevi Ishel Pesach is the angels turn to God and they say they want to sing Shira. So God says to the angels, why my children are dying, drowning, do you want to sing Shira? So all of us interpret that to say, while the Egyptians are drowning, do you want to sing Shira? It's not true because this comes, the Midrash comes while they're not drowning. They're all in the sea together. The Israelites are on one end, the Egyptians are on the other end. The cloud is break in the middle. They can't, one can't come towards the other. And the angels want to sing Shira. This is what do the angels want to sing Shira? So the rabbis explain why do the angels want to sing Shira? They bring the story of Sanchiriv. Sanchiriv was the king of Ashur. Sanchiriv was the one who conquered the north of Israel and he exiled the ten tribes. Sanchiriv comes and attacks Jerusalem and Chizkiyahu is the king. Chizkiyahu is the king, and it's the night of Passover. What am I going to do? There's 185,000 Assyrian soldiers outside of the gates of Jerusalem. If they want me, they're going to get me. There's nothing I can do. So he has a seder. He says, God, if you want to save me, save me. If not, nothing I can do. Goes to sleep. The next morning they expect they're all going to be dead. They look out over the window, and they see all of them are dead. How did they die? It says that the angels 
took the, the stoppers out of their ears. They opened the ears of the soldiers of Ashur. They opened their ears. And they sang Shira. Like they sing every morning. They sing every morning in front of God. The voices of the angels were so beautiful that the souls of these soldiers heard those voices and whoosh, and drew up to heaven. So they died a death of Neshika, like a kiss. They died this death. So he says, what happens in the in crossing of the sea? Hashem says to the angels, you want to sing while my children are drowning? Who's his children? He's referring to the fact that the Egyptians threw the children into the sea. He says, you want the Egyptians to die an easy death? A death of Neshika, of song? No, 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 no. Let them roll in the, in the water and die. So it says here, what's the idea here? They come so close to God that when you come so close to God, your soul is drawn out of you. There's no more soul inside. You have to be drawn out of you. So, so what happens? What happens if their soul is going to be drawn out of them? That's how they die. He so explains, this is the words of the Orachayim. So they, they, they died a special death. They died a death of Neshika. The same like Moshe and Aaron, but a little different. We're going to explain the difference. So this is the Orachayim. He says that, that the, there's one difference in the general, the kiss, okay, so the difference between their death and the death of Moshe and Aaron is that God comes to Aaron to take him, but with, the, with B'nai Aaron, they come to God. In the case of Moshe and Aaron, the kiss comes to them to draw their soul. In the case of the sons of Aaron, they actually come to the kiss. The Orachim teaches us an important principle regarding the deaths of Nadav and Avihu. Not only did their lives expire due to their extreme closeness and devotion to Hashem, says, but they also sacrificed their lives for the sake of Kedushat Hashem. Now the question is, what do you mean? Kedushat Hashem is to sanctify the name of God. Mm-hmm. How is their death a sanctification of God's name? So we have to see why would they sacrifice themselves that day? But did they even know they were sacrificing? So it seems to be yes. And that's the only way we're going to understand what's going on. Because we have to try to reconcile the Orachayim's incredible explanation that they, they died because of a divine kiss with the Torah's statement that why did they die? Because they brought Esh Zara, a strange fire. So they brought a strange fire. Did they die from the strange fire or did they die from a kiss? Which one is it? Are you saying that? So it says, the Parshat Shemini says that the sons of Aharon, Nadav and Avihu, each took a machteh, a fire pan. They put fire in them. They placed the incense upon it. They brought it before Hashem, an alien fire that he didn't command them. A fire came forth from Hashem, consumes them. They die before Hashem. Additionally, we find another dimension regarding the extreme Kiddushah of Nadav and Avihu. In Parshat Shemini, immediately after their deaths, what does Moshe say to Aaron? Moshe says to Aaron, the fact that they died, this is what Hashem was speaking to me about. He says, I will be sanctified through those who are close to me, and I will be honored before the entire people. And the next words are, Vayidom Aaron. Aaron was silent. So Moshe of this did Hashem speak? Where did He speak? So He quotes, says that that we. So the, the Gemara goes through how we understand how we understand the words. So Moshe says to Aaron, my brother, I knew that the house would become sanctified, meaning the Mikdash, the Mishkan, through those intimate with the omnipresent. 
one of us who's closest to God would sanctify God. I was under the impression, this is Rashi brings in that pasuk, that it would be either you or me. Now I see that they are greater than me and you. And when Hashem says, I will be honored before the entire people, that's them. They are the greatest. When Hashem carries out judgment against the Sadiqim, he is feared and exalted and lauded. If it is so with these, it will be more so with the wicked. What does that mean? It says God it says so so the way to understand that is I brought a uh, I brought a midrash and I I brought sorry, I brought a parable. And the parable is brought by the Dubna Magid. The Dubna Magid says, Why did they have to die and how is it a Kiddush Hashem? So he says that he tells a story that there's a uh, a king who builds this incredible, incredible city. And when he's building this city, he spares no expense. He brings the best craftsmen, and he builds the most beautiful city in the world. And then he says the city's going to be incomplete unless he finds the best professionals in the world to occupy the city. So he says, I want you to find the best of everyone to come live in the city. Whatever you have to pay them, whatever you have to offer them, let them come. I want this city to be only the best of the best. So they go, and they find the doctor. This is the greatest doctor in the world. He can cure any ill. So the doctor comes to visit the king, and he comes on the, on the day of the, they're, they're inaugurating the city, and they have this doctor comes, and they introduce everybody. This is the greatest doctor in the world. He's going to take care of everyone who lives in this city. You have nothing to worry about because the doctor's here. He says, what happens? He says, they come running and they say, doctor, doctor, there's an old man. He's sick. Please come help him, come help him. So he goes to the house, and the people all follow him to the sick man's house. He goes in, he examines this old man. He comes out and he says, Don't worry, I'm here. I'll take care of him. I'll cure him. Goes back into the guy, and a few hours later, the guy's dead. Now the king summons the doctor. He says, I don't understand. What are you doing? What happened? You're supposed to be the best doctor in the world, and you said you're going to save the guy. And now the guy's dead? He says, Your Majesty, I need to tell you something. You want to have the best city in the world? Then your people can't be reliant that the doctor's going to always save their life. If, they come, if I come and they think they got this great doctor, then they're never going to worry about their health. They're never going to take care of themselves. But now that they see even the great doctor is not so great, they're going to know they have to take care of themselves. So what does he say? This relates to this. He says, The same is true regarding the Mishkan. He says, The Mishkan is a place that we go to be our sins forgiven. The people say, oh, now I have a mishkan. Now I have a place to go. I don't have to worry. I can do whatever I have to do because in the end, God's going to forgive me. God's going to take care of me. Says, what happened? Says, God takes the sons of Aharon. Day one, the people say, whoa, 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 whoa. I can't take this and say it's going to be the cure-all for everything. I have to still be a guy who's willing to take care of myself. So he brings, based on this, he says that the sons of Nadav and the sons, the sons of Aaron, Nadav and Avihu, were literally willing to give their life for the honor of Hashem. He says that he he brings that 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 they're my honored ones and they're going to be sanctified through me. He says from the very onset, even before the Mishkan was erected, Hashem chose Nadav and Avihu to sanctify His name via their deaths at this momentous occasion. That this was going to be. It was going to happen. So Moshe thought it was going to be either Moses or Aaron. Mm-hmm. Now God is saying, no, it was going to be them. 
So conveying this point, Hashem says to Moshe, I shall meet there with B'nai Israel, and it shall be sanctified through my honor. In other words, on the day that the Shekhinah descends upon the Mishkan, I'm going to be sanctified through my honored ones, who will die for the sake of Kedushat Hashem, so the people should know not to take this for granted, that it's you know, going to save everyone. Moshe Rabbeinu thought that he was referring to himself or to Aharon. When he realized that Hashem chose Nadav and Avihu, he concluded, now I see that Nadav and Avihu are greater than Aaron and me. So if you tell me that they're greater than Aaron and him, why did the rabbis throwing all these sins at them? Are they sinners or are they great? So we have a confusing contradiction regarding Nadav and Avihu. On the one hand, as attested to my Moshe Rabbeinu, they're greater than Moshe and Aaron, as Hashem chose them. This coincides with what the Orachayim is saying, that they died by a divine kiss. As they drew near to Hashem, they died. On the other hand, we say that they died because they brought strange fire. Strange fire. So, was, was the strange fire a prop? I mean, did they have to bring the strange fire? So that's the question. Now, why do they bring the strange fire? How do you justify them bringing the strange fire? So now let's look. The, the Tana, Rabbi Eliezer, and the Gemara Yoma, he teaches us that what was the reason they died, and this was one of the reasons we brought, and really all the reasons seem to roll into this reason, is because they taught a halacha in the presence of their teacher Moshe. The Gemara says, I'm going to read exactly the Gemara. The sons of Aaron died only because they rendered a legal decision in the presence of Moses, their teacher. What does that mean? So if my teacher is sitting at the table, and someone comes to the table and says, I have a question, okay? I can't jump and answer the question in front of my teacher because my teacher is the one who's supposed to answer. If I answer in front of my teacher, it's embarrassing to everyone, and I'm, I'm absolutely liable for the death penalty. Really? For doing that. Yeah, you can't do that. That's, that's what they're saying. They died because they answered in front of Moshe, the teacher. Yeah, so that's you usually get that. So the teacher forgives him, and we're good. You know, this whole story is very analogous to um, the guy who was Mekoshesh uh, Sim. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know, like if he does it so that people see. Right. So it's the same kind of. It's a, it's a, you're going to see it's similar. It's a similar concept, but you're going to see how how he goes a little deeper into it. So he says that Rabbi Eliezer says the sons of Aaron died. This is the Gemara only because they rendered a legal decision in the presence of Moshe, their teacher. What was the decision they made? Says the Gemara, the sons of Aharon shall place a fire on the Mizbeach. The Torah tells us that the sons of Aharon should place a fire on the Mizbeach. So what did they do? They inferred from this pasuk that even though the fire comes from heaven, there is a mitzvah to bring fire from ordinary sources. Rashi explains, even though they pronounce the correct ruling, because we see that every day they call and has to add to the fire so that it shouldn't look like the fire is coming from heaven, it should look like it's coming from below. He says, even though they pronounce the correct ruling, they were punished for not obtaining permission. This is what Rashi says. According to Rashi, Nadav and Avihu ruled correctly. Nevertheless, it was considered a sin because they did so in the presence of their teacher Moshe. They should have asked Moshe, Moshe, what should we do? That's what Rashi is saying. And because they didn't ask him, and they brought the fire without asking, they died. At this point, we have to make something clear. The fire didn't come from heaven every single day. The fire only came day one, and that fire stayed, and that fire continued to stay 
through the whole period of the Mishkan, through the whole period of then when Shlomo HaMelech builds the the temple, it goes on Mosh, on, on Shlomo's uh, Mizbeach also. And we see in the Vayikra it says, Vatese esh Hashem al et et A fire went forth from Hashem and consumed the Mizbeach, the Ola and the fats. The fire remained on the Mizbeach until the times of Shlomo Melech. Then the, ta- then the fire moved from the stone Mizbeach in the Ber HaMikdash and it remained there until Menashe, the king of Yehuda, removed the fire. Goes further in the Gemara Zevachim, and we could just quote it all. And it says how the fire lasted even through the Mishkan, going through the desert. They covered it with a pot to keep the fire burning, and the fire was always burning. So Nadav and Aviyu inferred from the pasuk that Hakohen They had a pasuk that they learned from Moshe that says the children of Aharon should put a fire on the mizbeach. So what did they do? They put the fire on the mizbeach. It says so. It says from Rashi, it says they inferred incorrectly. From Rashi, it's evident that Nadav and Aviyu inferred, inferred correctly, says, sorry. They were correct, because we're supposed to put the fire. So when the Torah says they offered Esh Zarah, it means they were not instructed by Moshe to bring the fire. So the only thing they did wrong was they didn't ask Moses permission to bring the fire, even though bringing the fire was the right thing to do. That's the opinion of Rashi. So this explanation presents two difficulties. Firstly, the question posed by the Maharashan, Rabbi Eliezer's question in the Gemara Eruvin, is how can it be suggested that they rendered a halakhic decision regarding an issue that is stated explicitly in the Torah? They're, no, they're not rendering a, a, a decision. It says in the Torah, the children of Aaron should place the fire on the Mizbeach. So what decision are they making? They're reading in black and white. And also, it says in the Gemara Eruvin 54, Moshe Rabbeinu taught Aaron and his sons the entire Torah several times. So if Moses taught them the verse himself, what are they doing? What halacha did they do on their own? Secondly, the problem with all of this is that the fire that we're talking about, where did that fire go? Which altar? The, uh... the big one outside. Not the altar inside with the, with the incense. So, what does one thing have to do with the other? What's the Gemara? What is it talking about? So, so in Torah Kohanim, we're taught that Nadav and Aviyu entered the Kodesh HaKodeshim to burn the Ketoret. Therefore, Hashem warns Aharon not to enter the Kodesh HaKodeshim as his sons throughout the year, like uh, as his sons did throughout the year, except Yom Kippur. And we see this. What happened? It says in the Gemara that how did they die? It said two strands of fire come from the Kodesh HaKodashim and each strand splits into two and the two strands go into each nostrils and what happens? Their insides are burned but their outsides are totally unaffected. So it's as if the fire drew out their souls and they're gone. So how is it possible to claim that they entered the Kodesh HaKodashim to offer the Ketoret? Because the pasuk says, So it says, it says, the, says the, the pasuk, the children of Aaron brought the fire onto the Mizbeach. Even though God sent the fire, we see there's a commandment in the Torah for the children of Aaron to bring the, the fire. So what are you telling me that they did wrong? Okay, you, you see, uh, having a problem now. The pasuk and the exposition do not pertain to the Kodesh HaKodashim either. They only, re- they only pertain to the outer Mizbeach. 
So these questions are left unanswered. We, we don't have an answer. These are the questions that the Rishonim are bringing, the Rishonim are the rabbis of uh, about 800 years ago, eight 900 years ago. They're bringing on the Talmud, which is 2,000 years ago. And they're saying, we don't have an answer. We don't understand what they're talking about in the Talmud. We can't figure the answer. It says, maybe we could come up with an answer. It says that if we see that Moshe says to Aaron after the death of Aharon, I will be sanctified through those who are close to me. I'll be honored before the entire people, as mentioned above. Rashi comments, when Hashem carries in judgment against the Sadiqim, he's feared. And we said that this was to make the people realize that you have to be careful. So if the righteous could die, imagine how much more so the wicked. We have to understand why God, the King of Kings, chose to sanctify his name in this dramatic fashion with those who are close to him. Specifically on day one. It says, it's well known that the purpose of the building of the Mishkan was so that Israel could offer korbanot, as the Rambam writes. He goes through exactly why we have a Mishkan, so that you could get forgiveness. Furthermore, we're familiar with the Ramban's opinion that the reason God commanded the sinner to bring a korban as a form of atonement was, while doing all of these things, when a person brings a korban, a, a, a sacrifice, the person should recognize that he has sinned against God in body and soul, and it would have been fitting for his blood to have been spilled and his body to have been burned. He has to imagine that what's happening to the animal should be happening to him. The Korban provides atonement by providing its blood in place of his blood, its life in place of his life, and the sacrificial animal's limbs in place of his limbs. According to the understanding, God willing accepts the sinner's offerings only on condition that he performs repentance for his transgressions. He must truly believe that he deserved to have his own blood spilled were it not for God's mercy and kindness. So when a person is bringing the sacrifice, he has to think that God is doing this is why it's happening. We can now appreciate, says, why God chose to sanctify. And he brings basically the same as the Dubna Magid. Uh, he says that he didn't want Israel to erroneously think that now the Mishkan was erected, they don't need to fear punishment from God for transgressions any longer. Because now they could bring a korban and they're all clean. He says, so he, he, he arranged it to happen against the Sadiqim so Ben Israel would learn. Going further... He says, let us understand the, the, deaths, uh, the death of Nadav and Aviyu in a greater depth. We know that Aaron and Hakohen chose to make the Egel. So remember, we go back to the golden calf. Why did Aaron make the golden calf? What was the reason that he made the golden calf? So we said that, we said a few weeks back, that Aaron saw they built him his Beach before him. What did he see? He said, Rabbi Yamin says that he saw they killed Hor. They went to Hor. And they said to Hor, we want to build an altar and a calf, or whatever, a god to lead us. And Hor said, no. So what they do, they killed Hor. So Aaron said, if I let them kill me, then there's going to be no forgiveness for them. Rather, let me build the calf. I'll be responsible, and they'll be able to be forgiven. So, that, so when Israel performed the deed, they, we, we said... But specifically, though, he was building the calf so that he, he wanted a delay. He, he, you get zapped. You he, get, he knew he would get zapped. You so get zapped instead. This, this was complete, mis- we said, misirut nefesh when we were discussing this, that he was willing to give up his soul. That, that not only was he willing to give up his life like Hor, he was willing to give up his soul because he was willing to take responsibility for the golden calf to avoid them being punished. It's all on me. Kill me, life and spirit. There's one 
thing that um, yeah. sort of bothers me a little bit about it. You know, I, I get all this, but um, Hor was, um, you know, not at the level of Aaron. He was certainly great and all that, and they did kill him. But um, the fact of the matter was, the number of people involved in this uh, rebellion or uprising was small. I think it three thousand. So what 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 might have happened had Aaron said, you know, um, listen, you know, what these guys are doing is wrong. I want all of you here to know that it's wrong. So the, the question the question goes, if it's really if we're gonna say that so out of six hundred thousand, three thousand are killed in immediately, right? Which is point five percent. Right? So that's small small number. But what, then why should we all be punished for the golden calf? Because they didn't stop, stop it. But, but uh, one, one reason is that we didn't stop it, but the other reason is that the majority of the people in their hearts said, wow, good thing. Why? Because the idea of the golden calf was to sh- throw off all Malchut Shemayim, the, uh, the right. yoke of heaven. So it says the majority of the people said, you know what, enough of this, enough of these laws, enough of all of this. When they started to dance, all of them wanted to be part of it. They may have not worshipped, but they would have. They all would have been part of it. So he said that, that, that who knows what would have happened. But he said that if they would have killed him, then the people would have had no forgiveness because they would have killed the prophet and the priest on the same day, and there would have been no forgiveness. So we, have, we, we see that, that, that Aaron was w- ready and willing to die for Kiddush Hashem as Hur, Yet he prevented himself from doing so. That was the easy way out. Kill me would have been the easy way out. Because he wanted to save B'nai Israel. He says, and then Moshe prevailed upon B'nai Israel to do Teshuvah. So it's reasonable to conjecture with the utmost fear and love that at this point, the Haron yearned to sacrifice himself for the sake of Kedushat Hashem. At this point, Haron said, you know what? I'm responsible. I caused all the problem. Enough. I'll jump into the fire. For although his intent was Lashem Shamayim to spare Israel from annihilation, nevertheless his actions re- resulted in tremendous Chilul Hashem. He built the calf. They worshipped the calf. Forever there. Right, but, but in the end he still built the calf. And he was the cause of Chilul Hashem. And the Gemara says, how is the only way that a person can be forgiven from Chilul Hashem? He can only get forgiveness when he dies. But isn't there a concept also like, a, you know, that Hashem knows uh, what your intention was? Or even like when you want to do a mitzvah, but you weren't able to complete the mitzvah, but it was your intention, which, which is you why, get credit for Which is why Moshe says to Aaron, go to the Mizbeach and offer your chatat and your Allah, provide atonement for yourself and the people. Rashi instructs Moshe to approach the Mizbeach. Aaron's, embar- Aaron's embarrassed. He's afraid. Moshe says, and why embarrassed? This is what you were selected for. Ramban explains he was embarrassed and afraid because he did the golden calf. So what is Moshe saying to him? Don't worry about it. Don't be embarrassed. The reason you're selected to be the Kohen Gadol is why? Because you did the golden calf. Because you were willing to sacrifice yourself for all the people. And therefore, you're the only one who could ask forgiveness for all the people because you were willing to say, take me and don't take them. Amazing. Amazing. Precisely because you sacrificed in order you save Israel from annihilation, you were chosen to be a Kohen Gadol. So now let's challenge the difficulties we have before. 
Rabbi Eliezer says the sons of Aharon died only because they rendered a legal decision in the presence of Moshe, their teacher. What did they expound? It says, the sons of Aharon shall place a fire on the Mizbeach. It was already there, so don't tell me they brought a fire and they weren't supposed to. They inferred from the Pasuk that even though the fire comes down from heaven, there's a mitzvah to bring fire from ordinary resources. The Maharasha asks, what halachah did they render? The Pasuk says that the sons of Aharon have to bring a fire. Based on what we discussed, let's propose an explanation. Nadab and Avihu were as great as Moshe and Aaron, according to Moshe's own testimony when he tells his brother, God took them because they're greater than us. He says he, they perceived that their father Aaron yearned to sacrifice himself for the sake of Kedushat Hashem. That Aaron himself was willing this day because he knew I messed up. No matter what, whether he had good intention, he still felt guilty. He says, in order to atone for his part in making the golden calf, they perceived as a result of their extreme Kedushah that God did not wish Aaron to sacrifice his life. He wanted Aaron to serve Hashem his entire life as the Kohen Gadol. Therefore, they knew that someone had to go. And they decided, you know what? We don't want Moses to go. And we don't want Aaron to go. So what are we going to do? We're going to offer ourselves in place of their father. Their father. The sons. Who's bringing this? Yeah. The Shevilei Pinchas. He says, yet from where do we know, but he's, he's bringing this based on Rabbi Eliezer. Where do we know? He says, Rabbi Eliezer provides an illusion in the Gemara. And this is what Rabbi Eliezer has to be talking about because he can't say that the this fire... Rabbi Eliezer, the son of uh, Rabbi Shimon Bar this is Rabbi Eliezer, no, Rabbi Eliezer, probably Rabbi Eliezer Hagadol, is probably the teacher of Rabbi Akiva. It says, in other words, they rendered a halacha in the presence of their teacher Moshe. Moshe, they deduced something that, he says, he says they deduced something that Moshe didn't reveal to them. Rabbi Eliezer goes on to explain that they revealed that they were entitled to sacrifice their own lives in place of Aaron. In other words, Nadav and Avihu ascertained through their immense Kiddushah that when God said to Moses that the children of Aaron should be a fire on the altar, what did they realize it meant? That they themselves should be a fire on the altar. And what did they not do? They didn't go ask Moshe about it because they weren't going to ask Moshe because they wanted to sacrifice themselves in order to save Moshe and Aaron. It says that they should be consumed by the fire in order to sanctify Hashem. They knew that in order to protect the people, someone needed to die, or the people would have not respected the Mishkan and the, and the way they should have. It says, so what happened? Even though the fire descends from the heavens to consume the Korbanot on the Mizbeach, nevertheless, they, they should also sacrifice themselves on the fire to be consumed as an atonement for the Chet HaEgel. They ascertain this interpretation on their own. They didn't receive this interpretation from Moshe Rabbeinu. So it was considered as if they rendered a legal judgment in front of their teacher's face, in front of Moshe without asking him. So no, when the no, Pasuk... No. If, they, if they had asked Moshe... They would have told them no! Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, it says, so when the Pasuk states they brought before Hashem... Because Moshe thought it was going to be him or his brother. He never thought it was going to be them. Of course, Moshe, if, Moshe, if someone comes to Moshe, if they would have come to Moshe and say, Moshe, we're going to throw ourselves, we're going to give our lives so that you and daddy could be protected. 
No way. I would, Moshe is going to say, no, I'm going to go. And Aharon's going to say, no, I'm going to go first. So, so but, when the Pasuk... That sounds very reasonable. But there's still one other option, and that is, you know... Nobody goes. Yeah, God, God has another way that you're not thinking but it's about. But Moshe says, no, he knew someone had to go. It was clear to Moshe. To Moshe quotes from the Pasuk in the Gemara, comments exactly what Moshe... The Pasuk says in the Torah... That Moshe says to Aaron, we knew this was going to happen because someone had to die, Al-Kiddush Hashem, and he was going to be honored through those who... Moshe Rabbeinu says, this is a pasuk in the Torah, and then the next pasuk is, Vayidom Aaron. Aaron was silent when Moshe said that to him. No, it's after his children. After they died. Yeah. So Moshe says, I knew this would happen, and he quotes based on... The Gemara goes through it, break it down, I don't want to break it down, but it's in here. It's in the notes. So he says, he says, he breaks down exactly what he's talking about. So it says, when the Pasuk says that they brought before Hashem an alien fire that he didn't command them to bring, in general, God doesn't desire human sacrifice. He desires that we bring a korban from an animal. Yet they performed this deed in the category of enom mitzvah oseh. They weren't commanded to do it, they still did it. So, so they perceived that this was the will of Hashem based on the statements that, that we alluded to. Says so, so it says that they should bring a fire. They thought it was them. According to this interpretation, it turns out that from the perspective of the entire nation of Israel, it appears as if they had rendered a halachic decision in the presence of their teacher. When they bring. So to cover it up, so to say, we say they brought the incense that they weren't supposed to, but in fact they brought themselves when they weren't supposed to. Because fire emanated from Hashem and consumed them, the name of heaven was sanctified in fulfillment of the words Bikruvai Ekadesh, which is what Moshe quotes. He says, This stirred Israel, made them realize that if the tall and mighty are punished so severely, how much more so would God punish them if they transgressed his precepts? In truth, however, Nadad and Avihu were holy and pure men who sacrificed their lives for Kedushat Hashem in place of their fire, of, of their father. This enabled Aaron to dedicate the rest of his life to sanctifying God in the capacity of Kohen Gadol. Based on what we have learned, we can now appreciate the significance of Moshe's declaration regarding the death of Nadav and Avihu. And he says, Kol bet Yisrael yivku et Hashem. Every single person in Israel should cry over the fire which God burned these two sons of Aaron. It says, because Nadav and Avihu were consumed by fire because they sacrificed their lives for Kiddushat Hashem in place of their fire, which enabled him to serve as Kohen Gadol. So the entire nation of Israel that forced Aaron to make the Egel and thereby ultimately caused the deaths of Nadav and Avihu, what did they have to do? They had to mourn for the fire that killed them. This sheds light on the following Pesukim by Daber Hashem Why are they called Shnei Bnei Haron? The two sons of Aaron are not named. He says, because they sacrificed their lives in place of Aharon, their father. He says, they revealed their devotion to their father's honor as B'nai Aharon. God goes on to prove they willingly sacrificed their own lives in place of Aaron, for they merited a death by divine kiss due to their closeness to God. The Ora Chaim HaKadosh explained that, therefore Hashem sees fit to warn Aaron not to enter the Kodesh HaKodeshim at any time, so that he wouldn't die, because what was what was Moses telling? What was Moses telling him? Aaron? They went and did it. Al Kiddush Hashem. You better not do the same thing. You better not throw your because what would he do? Any father normal in that situation could say, "I'm going too." 
So it's, and, and the interesting thing is, so let me finish, and then I go, okay. Aaron would have rather obeyed the will of Hashem even without the threat. He said, we didn't need to tell Aaron, don't go because of your sons. He says, don't go in there because your sons died. Oh, to make sure that I don't go because I know they died. No, he would never have gone in if God told him not to go. He's saying, don't go because you're going to try to do what your sons did. You better not do that. You need to be Kohen Gadol for the people for the next whatever years. He says, according to this interpretation, Hashem's statement that Lo Yamuti will not die is inseparable from his request that Aaron not die in the matter that his sons died. For God adds the following, Bezot el HaKodesh. If Aaron truly desired to sacrifice his life, he should do so by means of bringing a sacrifice and imagining that it's him, but it doesn't have to be him. So Nadav and Aviyah were truly holy and pure men who sacrificed their lives for the sake of Kiddushat Hashem in place of their father Aaron. It was not for nothing that Moshe described them as being greater than him and Aaron. Due to men's Kiddushat, they merited a special death through the divine kiss, as the Orachayim explains. And this alien fire really is, is not, this is, this is really not what it looks like. So the problem that I had now is how do we deal with the whole situation? The reality is we have to look at life, and it's a very hard thing to do, to look at life and say, why am I here? Mm. Why am I here? What's my purpose? And when my purpose is done, then I'm going forward. What happens to Nadav and Avihu's souls? You remember? Where do they go? Oh, Zohar Kadosh. This is just to finish. This is extra. This is the, the cherry. Come and see that this B'nai Aaron had no equal in Israel except for Moshe and Aaron. says, what happened? We learn that God himself, with the, oh, he's, he says that, that, that we, we see the Pasuk, it says, and Elazar, Aaron's son, took the daughter of Putiel as a wife. He was called Pinchas because he was destined to straighten that which was crooked. He says that what happened is when Pinchas later on goes to kill Zimri, he gets Ibor. This is the whole idea of Sod Ibor. He has his soul, and the souls that come into him at that point are Nadav and Avihu and Eliyahu Hanavi, which because they all become the same person. Elijah the but, prophet. But Eliyahu hadn't died. So, so Eliyahu is a higher soul that comes into him because Eliyahu is Pinchas. But there's different levels of Pinchas. If you look at the song that we sing before the Brit Milah, it says really all of the sword in this crazy song, all of this talks about Pinchas, who, Eliyahu, and we talk about, we just say words that we're just singing, but it's so deep, this song of all of this, this stuff. He says, what's the implication? He says, we saw that one of the reasons listed for the demise was acting without conferring with Moses. Pinchas too acted without conferring with Moses. But of course, in his case, it was the correct thing to do. We are further taught that Pinchas was Eliyahu. Both shared a common soul. When we analyze the behavior of Eliyahu, we find some interesting parallels with Nadav and Avihu. Arguably, the most famous in Elijah's life was the confrontation with the false prophets on Har Kamel. You weren't allowed to offer a sacrifice outside the Bet HaMikdash, but what does Eliyahu do? On Har Kamel, he says to God... Bring the fire mm. from heaven. He says, the parallel with Nadav and Avihu and the fire descending from heaven is fascinating, but incomplete. He says, after Eliyahu dies, what happens? The people say, Hashem Hu'alakim, Hashem Hu'alakim. And then what happens? Eliyahu later on goes to heaven. And how does he go to heaven? A chariot fire takes him. A very similar. One more thing that really is a cherry cherry on the, 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 the whipped cream on top, right? He says, they drank wine. Why would they drink wine before they go into the Mishkan? 
And then we're told not to drink wine. Why would they drink wine? This is unbelievable from the Zohar. This was just extra that I found right before. So the Zohar explains that the wine which was drunk by Nadav and Avihu was the wine which Noah drank. And indeed, it was the wine which Adam and Eve drank. This teaching follows the opinion that the Etz Hadad, the tree of knowledge, was actually a grapevine. And the sin of Adam and Eve was, particu- was taking this particular wine. That's why Noah drinks the wine right when he comes out of the ark. Why? He wants to be metaken. He wants to fix the mess up of Adam. Mm-hmm. It's Adam number two. You know, uh, mm-hmm. the, second, uh, the second movie. The Leshem, one of the greatest modern-day Kabbalistic works written by Rav Shlomo Eliashiv, who is the grandfather of Rav Shalom Yosef Eliashiv, explains that Nadav and Avi were great religious leaders. They were trying to bring about forgiveness for the sin of Adam. This is the reason that they used Adam's grapes. They wished to rectify his sin. Where, where, where did they get the grapes? Where did they get the wine? No. The same way Noah. Where did Noah get the wine? I don't know. The last explanation allows us to view Nadav and Avi in a different light. Rather than selfish sinners... Yeah. So here they had wine, and this wine apparently was sourced in whatever that wine was. He says, when did they do this? It was the eighth day. What's the eighth day? The eighth day represents that's beyond nature, the metaphysical. Eight is always beyond nature, seven is nature. Their father is called upon to offer the calf and bring about forgiveness for the sin of the golden calf. The people will offer a goat and bring about forgiveness for the sale of Joseph. What are they thinking about now? The only major sin now that needs rectification, they're bringing an offering to make up for, for the golden calf. They're bringing an offering to make up for Joseph. What else needs to be fixed? Adam. Hmm. So what did Nadav and Avihu decide to do? They're going to fix Adam by taking the wine and doing the right thing with the wine. He says, Adam drank and hid from God. Nadav and Avihu drank after staring at God. When in the dedication of the Mishkan, the fire came down and filled the area, the people hid their faces. Nadav and Avihu felt this generation needed a new approach, that one should have been adopted in the garden. Instead of hiding from God, they confronted God. They offered the fire back to God, but God took them as well. Hmm. says, this unifies all the opinions regarding the sin. They sought a new direction. There's a whole thing that they go through about. It's just unbelievable that you bring the same idea again. But, but really, it changes the whole thing that we're looking at because we started out with all the sins that the children of, that the children of Aharon did. So how could they be terrible? And how could they be the reality? They were unbelievable. And what they, what they did was they had a self-sacrifice to save their father and to save Moses, but really to save their father. And that's why... And, and their life is not over. Even though their physical life is over, they live on through Pinchas, who is Eliyahu, who lives forever. And they're part of Pinchas and Eliyahu.